with intros and outros, but the main uh-huh. thing to remember is just it's super conversational. So even though we're in completely different states, um, it's like we're sitting across from each other at coffee and I'm just asking you about your story. So Hi. your mindset is anything. We've got listeners that work in like chaplaincy to women's ministry to children's. I mean, it's such a broad scope. So it really is just women and leadership, both lay okay. and paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a big part of just sharing your story because I think one of the major themes is that nobody really plans on being where they're being and they're just taking that next step of obedience. Um, And then my question for you, which you hit on it, I honestly like woke up this morning thinking like, okay, I need to make sure that I don't hit on anything or say words that um, are not good, you know, um, for your mission work. So I got your email about saying that you're not necessarily with the IMB during your time on the field. Um, But what for me do I need to make sure that I don't say or any of those kind of phrases? That's really it. We, I mean, I openly identify with IMB now, and I openly share that I served overseas in Central Asia. I just don't connect it. And so what I will say, so basically my story the whole time from 2002 to 2016, I I was a a field worker kind of, I was under that status and I was officially hired on uh, as IMB staff in 2016. And so I just share as if I started with IMB in 2016, because it was a, an official hiring of a new role. So um, I share openly that we served overseas in Central Asia, uh, but I just share um, that we served as business leaders, which we did. We started a business over there and, and I, Oh, I don't share that we served in Turkey. Um, okay. So I'll just share that it was Central Asia, Muslim context, that kind of stuff that we okay. went, but um, just don't use the word Turkey and uh, and missionary. That's it. Like yeah, yeah. That. Well, oh, okay. so I don't. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, no. So we talk about working as Christian business people. Uh, okay. So we went over believers in Christ to start businesses, and everywhere that you live, you share the gospel. That's just who mm-hmm. we are, and so we do right. that here. We do that there. Um, so, I mean, you could even ask, uh, did you consider yourself a missionary? And I'd probably okay. say, actually, no, we just considered ourselves believers living on this other side of the world. But as believers, we share the gospel every single okay. day. That's what we do. We're part of a local church. We did trainings in local churches, but we were there. Um, we were business people, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's totally fine. If you did say something like that, I'd probably just... Uh, you know, corrected a little bit. Um, like, yeah, no, and that's yeah, good. And say. I'll take the correcting. And so like, if there's, <laughs> a, let's say this. So if I end up asking anything, because I don't necessarily stay just to those questions either, like as you're mm-hmm, talking, mm-hmm. I might kind of be like, okay, well, tell me about that. Or what did that look like? Yeah. Um. So if there's something that is kind of like, oh, we probably shouldn't go there, then just kind of say that and do a hard stop. And then I can go back and edit it out. So that's not a big okay. deal. But, um, but you're welcome to like, you know, oh, well, that's not actually correct or whatever. And that's good. Um, because I think it kind of even helps listeners and even me, you know, like how do we reframe how we're looking at this? So um, I'm totally good with that. You're free, (laughs) free to correct. So, um, okay, well then that was really kind of my biggest question. Um, And then I think on the other side of it, so we will record for about 30 minutes, but that's not a hard and fast number. So um, as if we're talking and that kind of thing at the end, I'll kind of throw it out. Like what are ways that they can connect with you and probably what's like your final leadership nugget that you want to pass on that kind of thing. And that'll kind of be us wrapping up the show. So, okay. Okay. Um, So I'll just follow you for time. And if we get through one or two questions or all the questions or whatever, I'll just uh, follow your leading. 
Okay. Sounds good. It's super like laid back. So, um, and it usually goes pretty quickly. So, and you've got so much story behind you that I think it's just going to be really fun just to kind of unpack all the things that you've done and how the Lord has used you. So, well, uh, we'll see soon. If it doesn't, feel free to edit a lot. (laughs) No, it's going to be great. So, okay. Well, let me get to my questions and then, um, Logsdon is how you say your last name. Yep. Yeah. Cindy Logsdon. Okay. Perfect. All right. Let's get started. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of At the Table. It's Jackie King. And as always, I'm really excited that you're joining us for another episode of getting to hear from women in the SBC and glean from their stories, their experiences, and most importantly, just their leadership and how God is using them across the globe. So literally, my guest today has been across the globe um, and influenced across the globe. And so I am really excited to invite Cindy Logston onto the show today. Cindy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the invite. It's so much fun to be able to talk to my SBC sisters. Yes, really excited just to unpack your story and just hear all of the things that God is doing in your life in and through you. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, where are you recording from? How do you serve the SBC? Just the fun kind of get to know you, family, that kind of thing. Sure. Recording from Richmond, Virginia, which is where the headquarters of the International Mission Board is. I did grow up SBC. My father was an an SB pastor. And so even growing up, our summers were kind of built around the uh, the annual meeting that uh, I was the one. I was the young child dressed up as Lottie Moon in the WMU fashion show in elementary (laughs) school. That's kind of my upbringing. I kind of want Somewhere a picture there of this. Are, but we don't share those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so part of my story, my I have a great, great aunt who served with the Foreign Mission Board. And she served, she was a single woman, served her entire life in Taiwan and in China. And she was, she was really influential in my dad's life. My dad grew up in a family where when he was a young boy, they weren't believers. But we had this Aunt Bertha, who prayed, not a little bit, she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And I believe with all my heart that part of my current job today is just an answer to the prayers of this righteous woman. Uh, So she served overseas and she wrote this book about her time overseas. She actually wrote several things, but she wrote one book called Go Home and Tell. She took the proceeds from that book and paid for my dad to go to Bible college. Aunt, Aunt Bertha was pretty bold. She was a pretty courageous woman. And so she uh, she told him, I want you to go to this school. I want you to study these courses. I want you to learn about the nations. And he did. And so because of my parents, because of their love for the nations, we grew up in our household. Our role models were missionaries. We had missionaries uh, coming in and staying with us and living with us and sharing in our churches. And our house was filled with weird trinkets, maracas, and, you know, all these kind of things from people (laughs) sharing from their countries. But what it meant was even from a young age, I realized that the world is really big. And I realized that there are people on the other side of the world that have no knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They just haven't heard. So growing up, um, I just knew that I wanted to be a part of that. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know where the Lord would lead. There are a lot of other pieces in that story. Um, as After I got married, my husband and I worked with a church plant in Northern Virginia. and But the whole time we were just realizing, feeling like we probably were going to move overseas. We... Um, went to Southeastern. They had a two plus two program where you could study intercultural studies and look at the nation, study anthropology, that kind of stuff. And then um, in the year 2002, we moved overseas and we went 
to Central Asia. Um, my husband is a civil engineer and I worked before going overseas for a large IT company as a, as a project manager. So we took the skills that we had, we moved overseas, opened a business and just lived as believers among uh, in a Muslim land. Hmm. Very cool. Okay. So I kind of want to go back a little bit because you're talking about Aunt Bertha. So, and <laughs> the name of the book, this is Aunt Bertha Smith. Is that correct? That's correct. That's okay. Correct. So how cool is that just to learn about the lineage of just her, her love for the nations. And honestly, especially some of us younger um, SBCers, I think we didn't really know much about her until recently, you know, and her name being brought up and, <laughs> um, and just her going around and bringing this, um, I mean, really heavy awareness that we have a role and that we have a role to take Jesus to the ends of the earth. So that is just really neat. Um, Another thing that I'm just kind of thinking as you're sharing that I think in just conversations with women, especially younger women um, that are kind of starting out maybe marriage, college, that kind of thing. And before that, even having this really heart cemented down for the nations and, and going to tell. So can we kind of go back a little bit, maybe like college and then as you were meeting your husband, that kind of thing, like how did you choose what you were going to study and you know like how did that conversation go whenever you met your husband like did he have a desire for that too or was it you and then that kind of being formed together can you maybe kind of go back a little bit and share some of that part of your story Sure, sure. Actually, there's a lot to that. Uh, for my husband, there was a night that he was, he was actually a high school student. He was sitting through a service in church and uh, a, a pastor had come. It was actually um, a lay missions leader and he was sharing the gospel. And during the prayer at the end of the service, he was praying and he just said, Father, I pray that someone in this room would go to the nations. And if you talk to my husband, he remembers so clearly praying with that pastor that someone around him would go to the nations. Mm -hmm. And he said, I just felt like my heart was stopped at that moment. And God said, why not you? Why wouldn't you go? And we realized as we were dating that both of us felt so clearly that uh, one, that the Bible is very clear that the, all of the Great Commission passages, Acts 1, 8, I mean, if you look through the entire story of scripture, we are to go and share. God is gathering mm-hmm. a people unto himself. And so we both felt that. We didn't know how we'd get overseas. Um, so I studied business in, in school and I mentioned okay. my husband was an engineer. So we weren't studying. He didn't study. He is a pastor now. He didn't study to be a pastor at that point. Um, we weren't studying intercultural stuff with our undergrads. We were just um, going with what uh, God had laid on our hearts. I love business. I still do, which is why I'm a project manager right now. I, I feel like these are gifts and tools and passions that I'm good at, that God has mm-hmm. taught me and given me opportunities to use. But we knew that you can use any school, any tool or skill in the world on the other side of the ocean. If you can do it here, you can do it there. And so we both had jobs here. In fact, I remember, um, so I was working in Northern Virginia for a pretty large IT company. And I went to the president of the organization and I sat down in his office one day and I just said, I feel like we need to go. And he was so confused. He didn't get it. And I just said, it was an old cliche that I'd heard, but it stuck in, it stuck in my mind. I said, I just don't want to be that person that spends their life climbing the ladder of success to get to the end and find out their ladder is, you know, propped up against the wrong building. Yeah, I just yeah. don't see why I can't do this same job surrounded by people that don't know Jesus. Um, And so we decided to move overseas. We decided to just pack up our businesses and do our businesses on the other side of the world. 
Mm, I love this. Okay, there's so much just encouragement, I think, in your story and in your heart, even just in your example, because I think um, just a lot of times ministry, missions, you know, is really talked about in this box, you know, and like, so you have to go to seminary, you have to study Bible, and those are all good things, obviously, you know, those are a part of our our denomination and our stories that um, we're very thankful for, but at the same time, it's take what you're passionate about and then use that to leverage for the gospel, and I think that is so, um, and even what an example to your boss, you know, and sitting there and being able to say, like, I want to take what I do well and use it to reach people across the ocean. And so I love just that part of your story and even that encouragement for us that um, you may be in business right now. You know, you may have a degree in marketing or something that has nothing to do with the church, quote unquote, you know, ministry, the way that we would put it in a box, but God wants to leverage that in all sorts of ways for the kingdom, whether that's here in the United States, in your hometown, in your community, or in a completely different looking community as he spurs you on. So I love that. Okay. So let's get to the point of like, tell us what you do now, because I'm really excited just to get into this and your role at the IMB. What does that look like in your day to day? Sure. I was hired in my current role at the IMB in 2016. Basically, the way it started, I wasn't planning on working. We had come back from overseas and, you know, we'd come back from overseas and I had daughters in high school and and living overseas, I I was honestly just kind of tired. Things take longer when you live overseas. We'd lived overseas for 12 years and I felt kind of tired and I thought, I'm going to take a year or two and then I'll think about a job. And um, at the time, um, David Platt was president of the IMB, and he had gotten a couple of questions from women serving overseas. They were asking questions about their role in the missionary task. And I had known David, so he asked me if I would help with this one project. He knew I was a project manager and said, we have this one project. It's going to be three or four months. We want to go overseas. He called it the Women's Summits, and we're going to go meet with women all around the world and kind of ask some clarifying questions and see how we can encourage them and equip them and support them in the missionary task. So I decided, sure, I'll take this one project. So I, I took a temporary contract with IMB for three months. But I joined, but I jumped in and realized I love the IMB. <laughs> I, it, it is an organization doing really good things for the right reasons in the right places. And it was really exciting to see how God was using Southern Baptists all around the world. And so this particular project grew and it led to several other projects that um, some of the, so the leadership of the IMB has changed, um, but many of the well, actually, the values have stayed the same. Our current leadership, uh, I'm just so excited to work under them. It's men and women that love God and love the nations that are all about the Revelation 7-9 vision of every nation and uh, coming this multitude before the throne one day worshiping. And so um, one of the things that they value that we value at the IMB is networks, internal networks where people are sharing and collaborating and iron sharpening iron, these internal learning communities throughout because IMB is pretty big. We've got people all over the world. We've got um, overseas about 3,600 field workers. We've got hundreds in the States. Um, And so it could become siloed, but uh, what we find is our leadership has such a strong value on 
connecting and collaborating. So part of my job is to help build these internal networks. So we have a network for women on the field where we do our best to equip and encourage and train all around the M task, all around the missionary task. And uh, also I work with a network of city leaders. Um, so it's um, leaders all over the world and mega cities figuring out how to get the gospel to their cities. So uh, project manager, I work on networks, different things like that. Awesome. Okay. So we are going to kind of actually tap into two of those things that you just mentioned. I want to start with um, your leadership role in the city and strategy and the urbanization and all of that. And then I really want to kind of hear what you're hearing and what's happening with the women on the field. So first off, especially right now, because of the pandemic and just where everybody is (laughs) um, in life and how quickly things are changing. I'm curious with that network that you're leading, what does it look like? Like, what are you seeing? How are you seeing God Um, just really work through those that are bringing the gospel to these urban areas. It's fun to watch what's going on in cities. You may know that for the first time in history, 50% of the world's population lives in a city and it's growing exponentially. They say that uh, by the year 2030, it'll be 60% of the population. By the end of the century, it's estimated that 80% of the population lives in wow. cities. So we, wow. we really want to get the gospel to cities because they they reach. The, mm-hmm. People come to cities and they go back out from cities. And so IMB has a goal of having a comprehensive strategy plan, which is different from just a strategy plan. It's a strategy plan that reaches all segments of the city in 75 global cities by the year 2025. And so what we have are these small networks, these learning communities of city leaders getting together and sharing what they're doing. And what we're finding is in the midst of a pandemic, our people are trained for this. They are Mm. ready. You know, I I talk to people in the States and many people kind of go through phases or seasons. They're kind of, maybe at first it's shock. Maybe the first week is I spent my week storing up toilet paper and getting supplies (laughs) and and kind of taking a couple of weeks to normalize what does it mean to be at shelter at home. Mm. But our field missionaries, this is something that they're somewhat used to in many parts of the world. There are people that go in and out of situations like this, depending on what's going on in their in, in their culture. And so they're ready. And what mm. we have are missionaries that have planned and prepared, and they feel the urgency, they feel the weight of lostness. And so this is an opportunity where they're out. And so you might find that the challenges are the same, uh, loneliness or homeschooling in tiny places, fear, those kind of things. But one of the things they're trained to do is adapt quickly. And they also have just a deep sense of urgency to get the gospel. So they're doing a lot of the things that probably people would do here. Um, we've got missionaries making soap and delivering it to neighbors. We've got missionaries setting up water stations for people to wash their hands if they live in slums, sewing masks, uh, delivering food. There's a family in the Americas that um, they just had their children color pictures and give a message of hope and put it on every building, every door in their apartment building. Mm -hmm. It's simple things, but it's taking advantage of today. Realizing we're home today. What can we do to share the gospel today? Holding each other accountable and just knowing that the days are evil and knowing that time flies. So I would say the challenges are the same, but maybe one difference is um, 
or something that we could learn from the example of field missionaries is is just holding themselves accountable to take advantage of today. Mm, that's so good. I think even as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, I wonder, like, what did that training look like? And you talked about adaptability um, and their willingness, I think, to be fluid, to be flexible, which is really hard, I think, for leaders um, sometimes. But that flexibility, as well as I think what I'm hearing you say is more importantly, that we've really got to see this through the lens of the gospel and the kingdom and the opportunity that comes with it. So I don't know if this is going to be like an easy thing to answer, but I'm curious as to, you know, in these networks and in the training that you've done, I would imagine that there's many women that are kind of like, okay, I'm still in the, um, I'm overwhelmed, I'm I'm stocking toilet paper, you know, that kind of thing. What would your encouragement be to them um, in seeking that flexibility or that adaptability? Like maybe what are some of the things that you've told those that you're leading um, in this that are maybe kind of struggling? Honestly, I kind of think, sure, sure. um, (laughs) But I think as believers, our counsel is often the same for people in the States or people overseas. I think a lot of it is just your personal disciplines, Mm -hmm. building faithful habits of doing the right thing today. Mm -hmm. So when we talk to people on the field, the first thing we tell them is don't neglect your time with the Father today good time in the word, unrushed time in prayer, time on your knees before your father every day. So starting there. And and honestly, the things that we do, they're pretty simple. We talk about praying, giving, going, sending, these kind of things, which um, we just can't. When, when we talk about praying for the needs of the nations right now, God is doing amazing things and directly answering prayers of Southern Baptists. So for people here, starting their day, writing down the simple things, these are what I want to pray about, and actually doing the hard work of getting to their knees and praying, Mm, holding each other accountable. So we have accountability partners on the field, people that ask us the hard questions. And sometimes it's the questions that we might be embarrassed to be asked, but we need to be asked. Sometimes we need someone to ask us, how did you spend your time today? What did you do for the kingdom today? Um, And and we think about sharing the gospel with people. On the field, we hold people accountable to give a complete gospel presentation. I think sometimes in the States, it's very easy to share pieces, which is not a bad thing. I praise God for nuggets of truth, for pieces of gospel conversation. But we need to get to that. We need an entire gospel presentation where we get to the point that we ask people to make a decision, mm-hmm. where we bring That's them to good. a point that they have to respond. Yeah. And so um, even that, just saying, okay, in my relationships today, can I call someone on the phone today? Can I have a Zoom conversation with my great aunt who I'm not positive if she's a believer and just ask her those awkward questions and make sure that she knows she has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that she understands the full gospel and has had a chance to respond. Yeah. Yeah. I think that encouragement of just going back to those fundamentals, you know, and I think as leaders, we teach it a lot, but then also we get really worked up in all of the to do's and, you know, the stress of everything that we're, the fundamentals are kind of the first thing to go. And so I love that it's not some revolutionary, like here's a one, two, three step. It's literally what we were taught, (laughs) you know, in GAs and in um, Bible school and Sunday school and those kind of things of your time with God matter. And that is what 
what's going to fuel you as you are on mission in your everyday, in your low moments and in your high moments. It's also going to be exactly what the Spirit uses to prompt you to go talk, you know, whether that's on the phone or on a Zoom call or leaving the note, like you said. Um, And so we really have to remind ourselves that we are dependent on the Spirit. We are dependent on the Lord. And if we are not fostering that internal um, wrestle with the Lord, then we're going to be more scattered and we're not going to be able to really make those steps of obedience that I think He's asking us to do in such this perfect time that people need Him and they're willing and they're open. Um, And so I, I love just that simple example of you've got to meet with him. And that's so, so important right now. And I know it seems, you know, even before I think, um, it's just in, in seminary and, you know, you talk all of these interviews and stuff that I'm doing, these older women that are in ministry and to some of our powerhouses and you that has served all over and it's always the same answer. And so you would think listeners, as we all hear this over and over and over each week, like, I hope you're spending time in the word and I hope you are getting your fuel and your excitement and your energy from him, because that is what's going to sustain. So such good reminders for us this morning, but I don't want to waste time anymore because I'm really excited just to hear. So you mentioned the Women's Summit. So I'm curious if you can kind of go back to 2016 and starting this initiative with David Platt. Um, what were the women really kind of saying? Like, what was their struggle? And then what were even some of the things that you were kind of hearing and seeing of just how God was using women on the field then? And how are you taking what happened in just that three-month <laughs> contract work and then being able to see for the last four years how he's using women? Like, I'm so excited about this part and just hearing what you what you've seen scene, um, how we're able to celebrate our women that are on the field. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. When we talk about the missionary task at the IMB, we we talk about the, what we see in the New Testament where people enter and that an entry could be entering a city, entering a culture, entering, learning a new language, that kind of stuff. If you're in America, entering a neighborhood, but we enter, we share the gospel through evangelism, we disciple new believers, um, then we move into healthy church formation. We see that all throughout scripture, developing healthy leadership. So it moves into leadership development. And then what we call exit to partnership, which is basically entrusting the work to nationals or to those that can continue to lead when you move on and continue the missionary task. And some of the questions that were asked by women, um, women were wondering things like, in a complementarian organization, what role do women have in all of the components of the missionary task? They would say, I understand an entry. I understand that I moved to a city. I learned language. I become a part of things. I understand the Bible is very clear that women share the gospel. We share boldly. We disciple new believers. But what role do women have when it comes to healthy church formation? What role do women have when it comes to leadership development? How do we play a part? Is there a part biblically for women in all aspects of the missionary task? Um, And what we realized was it it was just a question of clarity, that the Bible is so clear, as you know, Jackie, that God uses women. Uh, God uses men and women and children. God uses his people to take the gospel to the nations. And so one of our sisters on the field, um, and I won't share her name, she's uh, working in a secure location, but she wrote a Bible study, she calls it uh, co-workers, but basically what this study does, it goes through the entire New Testament and she kind of just pulls out the names, she breaks everybody into tables and she gives everybody a couple of names. You may have Junia and Priscilla or whatever, and she gives you a couple of names of women 
at each table. So all of the different tables are studying women in the New Testament. And then she just charts it out. Let's look at the missionary task. Were women involved in entry? Were women involved in evangelism? Were women involved? And what you see is throughout scripture, women are involved in all of missions. Mm. Our role may be different. I mean, I clearly believe that the role of pastor, elder, overseer is biblically set aside for men. But what I also believe is God has amazing roles for women in Mm. reaching the nations. And when you serve places um, like the country that we lived in overseas was a Muslim country, 99.9% Muslim. Mm -hmm. And so to reach women in that culture Women need to know the gospel. Women need to share the gospel. We need to be able to learn the local language because it's going to take women getting into those back rooms where the women are, where we can speak freely. And so part of it was just clarity. Uh, One thing I love about the IMB, the IMB has uh, always, you know, IMB this year is celebrating 175 years Mm -hmm. of mission work, which is pretty amazing, by the way, when you think of That means through famine, through wars, through a current pandemic, God has not stopped using Southern Baptists to take the gospel to the nations. And when we look through that history, we also see there's a consistent history of God using Southern Baptist women. And so part of it was just talking to women on the field and, and realizing there are ways that we can help to resource and equip and encourage. And so... We started some things internal, internally, some webinars that we have, getting resources into the hands of women, um, setting up some internal communication points. We have a women's advisory network that meets about every other month just to connect and share what's going on around the world. Um, but part of it is just to help and encourage our women in the role that God has called them to. Mm, That's amazing. So I'm curious, after you did this summit, I mean, even just a lot of the questions that you were kind of saying that they were wrestling with, I think most women, um, even just within this network, I think that has been a wrestle for all of us, you know, like, what does this look like? And we, we are complementarian, you know, and we believe that that role of pastor elder is for men. But I think that conversation for so long has been squelched to, okay, so this is what you can't do, you know, and so a big part of this podcast and in this network, and even just a lot of the um, just influence that is happening right now is, yes, we we fully believe that, but there is so much that God does through women. So let's celebrate that. So Amen. I'm curious, like as y'all ha- held that summit and then you started kind of giving some of these resources for the women, how did you see the women change? Because I know even just with the start of this network, um, I think even just with some of that dialogue changing a lot over the last couple of years and really highlighting the the way that God uses women, the way not only just women, but the way that God uses men and women together side by side, which is exactly how he created things to be. Um, so how did you see maybe their, not necessarily involvement, but just even their posture, their confidence? Like, how did you see that change once you really kind of tackled, yes, we believe this and go work in your giftings? So I actually, I I think I'd reword it a little bit because what we saw was not that they were changing at this point, but Mm -hmm. that God had actually been, we just had to share the stories. God had been using women mightily for, for, you know, 175 years. And we just wanted to share what he was already doing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was pretty amazing to share some of these stories. So we mentioned my Aunt Bertha earlier. One of the things I was thinking about Aunt Bertha, um, so 
a lot of people look at this current pandemic that we're going through right now, global pandemic, and talk about what things were like in 1918 when there was the great influenza Mm -hmm. uh, worldwide. Well, that was part of my Aunt Bertha story. Actually, she'd only been overseas for about two years then. And her father died in in that uh, great influenza pandemic. And when she when he died, she had to travel for a few days to a place where she could it was I think about an eight day travel, I'd have to look it up, but she had to travel for a few days to a place where she could go sign some documents had to do with his death. And at the time, she stayed with seven different missionary families along the way in her journey. And she told these stories about how she, it was just hurting her heart more and more because when she realized she was a single woman serving on the other side of the world, she had just lost her father. And then she was staying in these homes, uh, seven homes of families that had young children. And she realized that at this point in her life, God had not called her to be married and he had not called her to have physical children. And um, she said she got to the end and she just wept. God, what's going on? Mm -hmm. I'm following you. I'm on the other side of the world and I'm alone. And she said that she stopped and made a covenant with God and just said, okay, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust you that you will give me children. They will be spiritual children. And that I will have a father. You are my father. And that you are going to be faithful to sustain me in the work that you've called me to do. Mm. Aunt Bertha was a prayer warrior. If anyone knows anything about Bertha Smith, they know that she <laughs> prayed and prayed and prayed. That's what she did. She was known for prayer. She was part of a, a major prayer revival and movement. She was a praying woman. And there are stories like that with of IMB or Foreign Mission Board, Southern Baptist missionary women that we just need to share. So I wouldn't necessarily say that things changed because of the Women's Summit. Mm -hmm. I would say we heard stories of an amazing, extraordinary God using really, really ordinary people to make his name great. And we heard about these stories that were continuing for 175 years. Wow. So part of what we did was just share stories. In fact, um, if I could put in a little plug, the IMB <laughs> in celebration of 175 years of mission work is putting out a new interactive web presence, a new timeline that's going to share these stories. And it wow. actually goes live May 1. And what you're going to be able to do is just look back by decade. Let's pull up 1870 and see what was going on around the world, missions in context, and just read stories and watch videos of what God has been doing through his people. And through there, we're going to share some stories of amazing women that God has used to get the gospel out. So in answer to your question, I wouldn't say that there was a major change in women. I, I would say it was more us just realizing what God had been doing for a long time and and doing our best to continue it. Um, what yeah. we saw was really good stuff going on yeah. overseas. 
Wow. I love, and again, stories, you know, there's so much power in stories. Um, and even as you shared about Aunt Bertha, the story of loss, you know, and just the struggle and that real feeling of being alone in my life, not looking exactly like I thought it was going to look, but then hearing her example of laying that before the Lord and then how the Lord blessed that and her example, again, a prayer. Um, and so I know just in conversations, we've talked about it here on the podcast and single women and just that, that tension or that frustration of um, my ministry doesn't look the way that I thought it would. And what mm -hmm. does it look like to be faithful in that? And so again, there is so much encouragement and just seeing how God comes alongside other sisters, how he's grown them, how he's used them, not only in big ways, you know, I mean, Bertha Smith is Bertha Smith, but also just in the struggle. And the struggle is typically what makes her, you know, who she is and why we want to mimic her and emulate her. And so, um, I hope that just with Cindy being able to share, I think even just the lineage that has happened in 175 years of women being on mission and serving faithfully in all different aspects of life and how different that may look across the board that God is working in all of that. And so I don't know anything more encouraging, honestly, of just knowing that there are women that have gone ahead of us, that have worked hard, that have prayed through tears and, and sweat and the grit and all that goes on with it, and that we get to come alongside them and be encouraged by their stories as well as live out our own stories for those that are coming behind us. So that's so, so encouraging and great to hear. Um, so I'm kind of curious. I want to wrap up, especially for those that maybe are listening. They lead like they're a Sunday school teacher or they're leading out in the marketplace and they think, okay, Cindy, that's not like I'm not overseas or, you know, like that's not where God has me. So how would you encourage our leaders that are listening, whatever context, context that they're they're serving in, like to be on mission, to live out their story, to not get, I think, even I think back to what you were talking about with sitting in the office with your boss and saying like, I got to go, you know, I want my life to matter. I think that's something that is deeply within all of us um, and that we deeply want to honor God with our life and with our breath. So what would your kind of final encouragement, maybe leadership nugget be um, to those that are kind of listening and they're not serving overseas or in the city, you know, those kind of things, what would you say to them? I think right now we have a very, it's a unique time in history and we've all been given a moment to reevaluate and to think about what changes we want to make in our lives as we set into a new normal. So I would mm -hmm. say being so thankful to God for this reset, think through the absolute basics, always be prepared to give an answer. Think outside of the box, hold yourself accountable to share the full gospel, to give people an opportunity to respond. So that can be very, very simple. That can be just getting to the end of a gospel presentation and asking something like, um, what's keeping you from repenting? What's keeping you from responding? Or simply, what, do you believe this? but giving people a chance to respond to the gospel. So it is not really a leadership nugget. I would just say today at this point in time, I would encourage women on this side of the ocean, women on the other side of the world to do the work of an evangelist. Mm, 
It's so good. And such, again, those practical, like, do what <laughs> you say, you know, like we say we're for the gospel. We say we are for mission and, and bringing hope and peace and just all of the things that we get to um, celebrate in Jesus, you know, that we just celebrated with Easter and all of those things. Like, let's make sure that we're following through and reaching out to everybody in our neighborhoods, in our communities, online, across the world. I mean, the, the amount of influence that we have is endless, right? Right? Um, and so let's leverage that for the kingdom. So, Cindy, I think I could talk to you all day and just listen to all of your stories <laughs> and all of your wisdom. There is so much in you, girl, and I'm so thankful for you. Thanks, Jackie. It's been such a joy. Well, why don't you tell us real quick, what is the best way to connect with you? Like, are you on Twitter? Like, how do people kind of get in touch, especially after hearing um, just your story and what's happening in the IMB? How are ways that we can partner with you? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter at Cindy Logsdon, or I can be reached at clogsdon at imb.org. And at the IMB, we would love to talk to you. We would love to help you. We would love to serve alongside you. Uh, be in touch. We would love to be involved with what you're doing in the local churches. Yes, I can't encourage you enough. Connect with Cindy. I know there's been so much encouragement just in following her and seeing her example. Um, and I'm really excited about the project that you guys have been working on that's going to launch in May just in a few short weeks. So make sure that you're keeping an eye out for that. And then as always, thank you so much for spending time listening to the stories, the stories of how God is using women in the SBC not only 175 years ago, but today in this very moment. So we are praying for you. We are cheering you on. And we hope that you will join us next week for another episode of At the Table. Y'all have a great week. All right. Very good.